Is there going to be a literal reign of Jesus on this earth for a thousand years? And if so, for what purpose? Why would the Lord want to return to this wicked world to reign for a thousand years? For the answer to these questions, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy A program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy Showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I had the opportunity recently to sit down with a great scholar of Bible prophecy and talk with him about what the Bible teaches concerning a future millennial reign of Jesus here on this earth. His name is Dr. Andy Woods. He is the pastor of the Sugarland Bible Church in the Houston, Texas area. He has written extensively about the millennial reign of Jesus, and his many articles can be found on the internet under the title, The Coming Kingdom. After graduating from the University of Redlands in California, Dr. Woods obtained a law degree from Whittier Law School. He practiced law for a while before deciding to pursue a theological education. After attending several seminaries, he earned a doctorate in biblical exposition at Dallas Theological Seminary. In addition to pastoring a church, he currently serves as a professor at the College of Biblical Studies in Houston. He and his wife Anne have one daughter. Now, don't let all those academic credentials scare you because Dr. Woods is a down-to-earth communicator and you will be enlightened and encouraged by what he has to say about the future reign of Jesus on this earth. Well, Andy, I uh, was born into a Christian family and raised in a Christian church. In fact, when I look back on my early years, all I can remember is going to church. I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, vacation Bible school, crusades. Uh, we were in church all the time. That's for television, but we were in church all the time. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the distractions that we have today. And the church that I attended was a very conservative church. And uh, the uh, problem was they called themselves a New Testament church. And that they really meant that. They, if they said, bring your Bible, mm-hmm. uh, everybody brought their New Testament. Because wow. the Old Testament was stories for children. Okay. <laughs> of course, we didn't understand the new because we didn't know the old. Right. But anyway, um, they were militantly amillennial mm-hmm. in the sense that if you had any other view of Bible prophecy, you were officially disfellowshipped from the church and kicked out. It's amazing uh, that I ended up as a Bible prophecy teacher, and particularly with a premillennial right. viewpoint. But anyway... I heard only one sermon about Bible prophecy over and over and over. It was the sermon of our brotherhood, and that sermon was, there is not one verse in the Bible that even implies that Jesus will ever put his foot on this earth again. He's just going to appear, we're going to be taken off, the earth's going to be burned up, and that was it. What about it? Are there any verses that imply Jesus is going to put his foot on the earth again? Um, How much time do we have to answer that? Just a handful. Uh, Job nineteen twenty five. Right. Job, of course, the oldest book of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end, He will take His stand, stand on stand on this earth. Yeah. That's right. Zechariah fourteen four talks about Christ's feet touching the Mount of Olives. Um, and it says in verse nine, on that day, He becomes King over all the world. There we go. Uh, Isaiah eleven verse four. He'll come and strike the earth with the rod of His mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I even thought of the uh, verse 
that closes the Old Testament, lest he come and smite the land with a curse, mm-hmm. or the earth with a curse. Yeah. You get into the New Testament, Acts 1, 9 through 11. Remember the angels said he's coming back, just yes. as you saw him, just as you just saw saw him leave, leave yeah. which would be physical and literal. Uh, Revelation 5.10, he's made us into a kingdom of priests and will reign upon the earth. Uh, Matthew 19.28, you need to tell me when to stop. I'll just keep <laughs> rattling off verses here. The 12 tribes are going to yeah. govern the uh, the tribal allotments for the mm-hmm. land of Israel. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure, you know, when people make statements like that, I, I just... And Revelation 19 certainly pictures him coming back to earth. Absolutely. The whole, the whole scripture. So it, that kind of question baffles me. I know. Well, amillennialists often argue that uh, we are in the millennium now. It began at the cross. It will continue until the Lord returns. I think in the early years they said it would last a thousand years and then the Lord would come back. And they didn't come back in a thousand A.D. But they argue now that thousand is just figurative language. It just means a long period of time. So the millennium began at the cross and it's going to continue till the Lord comes back. And we're in the millennium right now. Well, I like to quote my friend Tommy Ice on this. He says, if this is the millennial kingdom, I must be living in the ghetto section of town. <laughs> Isn't know, that the truth? You know, because you just don't see the conditions spoken of for the millennium. Is Jerusalem the center of worldwide political and spiritual mm-hmm. authority today? Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Do we have world peace and perfect justice on the earth today? No, we do not. Do we have agricultural prosperity all over planet earth like Amos 9 says? No, we do not. Is the earth filled with the knowledge of the Lord? We can't even get the Bible in our public schools anymore. That's right. That's so, um, Is the animal kingdom living together in peace and with man in peace? Last time I was at the zoo, I noticed that the wolf and lamb you know, were in different, different cages. Um, so I, it's, it's just a matter of people uh, uh, using the New Testament to deliteralize the Old Testament. And that's how they come to these, these strange A ideas. lot of that comes from the fact that uh, our millennials argue that end-time prophecies constitute a very special form of literature. And that literature must always be interpreted symbolically. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess they're talking primarily about the book of Revelation. I mean, let's, let's just think about that for a minute. You look at the first chapter of the book. There's a guy named John. He's obviously a literal character. He's on an island called Patmos. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's obviously a literal island off the coast of Asia Minor. They mention seven letters to seven churches like Ephesus. Mm-hmm. Those are obviously literal yes. places. So I, I guess I would say this. Um, I agree that there's a lot of symbolism in the book of Revelation, but not everything in the book is a symbol. Mm-hmm. And generally, when the book of Revelation wants to be understood symbolically, it'll give you some kind of clue. Like it'll use words like in Revelation 11.8, spiritually. Or Revelation 12.1, I saw a great sign. Mm-hmm. Or John will say something like Revelation 8.8, 8, a giant mountain, you know came from the sky and uh, went to the ocean. The turnaround for me came with the book of Zechariah. Again, I grew up in a church, never studied the Old Testament. One day I just opened the book and started reading Zechariah. And I noticed something that I had never noticed before. It is full of first coming prophecies, and every one of them meant what they said. Why don't the second coming prophecies mean what they say? Exactly. And furthermore, if you don't believe prophecies mean what they say, how can you ever determine if they're fulfilled? Right. And the great, as you say, the great validator of coming prophecy is God's track record. Yes. 
you know, I'm fascinated by Isaiah 53. Uh, it, it, it talks about Jesus uh, being buried in the tomb of a rich man. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, that happened, mm-hmm. a man named Joseph of Arimathea. Mm-hmm. It talks about him being pierced mm-hmm. in Isaiah 53 and verse 5. Lo and behold, that happened. It talks about him being numbered amongst the transgressors. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, he's crucified between two thieves. Not to mention Micah 5.2 and a gajillion other prophecies we could go through. Why would the Holy Spirit change horses in midstream <laughs> right. and say, well, these are literal, but what's coming is not literal? Right. right. Okay. Amillennials argue that the book of Revelation is the only book in the Bible that mentions anything resembling a future reign of Christ on earth. And they say such a reign is not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. Um, I think that is almost a, a backward statement. I would say that, that the majority of the passages that we have... The overwhelming majority, yes. ...regarding the earthly reign of Christ come from the Old Testament. Uh, and really the only new information in Revelation 20 is the length. The length, the duration. But Which it says, what, six or seven times? Six times. And, <laughs> and so, see, Revelation is assuming we already know the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to repeat everything. But if the listeners look up Isaiah 2, 1 through 4... Isaiah 11, 6 through 9, Isaiah 65, verses 17 through 23. These are all Old Testament passages. They'll see a wonderful description of what the earthly kingdom is going to be like. Yeah, I often make the point that the book of Revelation is really a book primarily about the tribulation. If you want to know about the millennium, go over and read Isaiah. Exactly. I mean, from beginning to end, he's talking about the millennium. Exactly. And even going back to Genesis, you yeah. know, God uh, was very clear regarding the land parameters that the nation of Israel would have one day. They've never possessed land to that quantity, and we're, we're waiting for a millennial kingdom for it to happen. And again, one we've already mentioned, Zechariah 14, which says the Lord's going to come back. His feet's going to touch the Mount of Olives. He's going to split in half. He's going to speak a supernatural word. The Antichrist and his forces will be destroyed. Verse 9, on that day... That's right. He will become king over all the earth. That's right. How much more? But, you know, the thing that's interesting about that is that when I first started studying Bible prophecy, I ran across a remarkable book called The Millennium uh, by Lorraine Bettner, Mm -hmm. who was a very famous theologian Mm -hmm. in the uh, 20th century. And he took that passage, Zechariah 14, and he said, this doesn't mean what it says. Let (laughs) me tell you what it means. The city of Jerusalem stands for the human heart. Yeah. The forces around it are the evil that surrounds the human heart. Mm -hmm. When you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, He comes and He stands on your heart. And it splits in contrition. Mm -hmm. And on that day, He begins to rule over your heart. Wow. If you put your ear to the ground, you can hear poor Zechariah rolling over in his grave. (laughs) Because he would think that's that's such a foreign idea compared to what he said. I know. But, you know, people love to spiritualize scripture they love because it makes them god exactly they can make it say anything they want it to say yeah and it sounds like some of our folks on the supreme court <laughs> the constitution can't be interpreted according to framers intent no. because we want to f- read our socialistic ideas into the document that's right absolutely I want to pause here in my interview with Dr. Woods in order to give you a very special treat. That treat is a great song about the Lord's second coming to reign on this earth. The singer is Jack Collinsworth, the man who has been our featured vocalist ever since we began broadcasting this program back in 2002. 
Jack lived on the streets as a homeless person for 20 years before he found the Lord in December of 1988, and his life was completely transformed. The song Jack is going to sing is one of the greatest that has ever been written about the Lord's return. The author is a lady by the name of Diane Wilkerson who lives in Dyersburg, Tennessee. She's a prolific songwriter who has written more than 1,000 gospel songs. I sent her a recording of Jack's rendition of her song, We Shall See Jesus. And she wrote back and said it was the best she had ever heard. Listen carefully to the words of this song. It's a song about three hills that were important in the life of Jesus. And now, here is Jack Hollingsworth singing, We Shall See Jesus. Okay. 
Wow, what a powerful song about our Lord's return. And now, let's return to my interview of Dr. Andy Woods about the millennial reign of Jesus. Well, amillennials argue that the church is the fulfillment of all kingdom prophecies. Well, it's it's only true if you don't care about details. Yeah. If you get into some view that says the New Testament rewrites the Old Testament, like what mm-hmm. what you just mm-hmm. explained, mm-hmm. you know, reading uh, these soteriological salvation concepts back into Zechariah fourteen, mm-hmm. but that's not how you do Bible study method. Yeah. You let the author say what he wants to say, and you know, frankly, a lot of times we don't like what the author says. But who cares what we think? That's right. God has spoken, and we need to adjust our own beliefs according to what the author says. And you look at the church today, uh, very clearly, you know, you don't have, uh, for example, Ezekiel talks about a temple that will function in the millennium. Um, you have no such structure today right. that Ezekiel describes. It even talks about the uh, millennial river going into the Dead Sea. Right bringing the Dead Sea back to life biologically. I was just in the land of Israel, and that sea is just as dead as it's always been. Mm. And so I look around the world today, and I don't see kingdom conditions. But you just don't understand that that description (laughs) of the temple is really a description of the church. Well, um, (laughs) I guess if you want to rewrite, completely rewrite what Ezekiel says. Ezekiel, with, with the amount of detail... Yes. And specificity that he gives, he's obviously not talking about That's somebody that trusts in Christ at vacation right. Bible school. Yeah. Well, do you think that a lot of this is motivated, not, I'm not saying all of it, but a lot of it motivated by a rejection of what the Bible says about the Jews and the fact that God is going to fulfill a lot of prophecies among the Jewish people in the end times? And it's just a, a replacement theology. There is, I think, and I can't prove it, and I'm not God, and I can't see people's hearts, but to my mind, and in my opinion, you asked me my opinion, there's a lot of mentality, particularly amongst Gentile Christians, that we believed in Jesus. They, the Jews, nationally I'm talking Mm -hmm. about, didn't. And it's just not fair that Israel would be raised to a place of preeminence again. Because that's what the Old Testament says. It doesn't just say... Prime nation of the world. Exactly. Uh, The the word is going to go forth from Zion. Jesus is going to rule the world, not from Washington, D.C. When a Jew walks by, ten Gentiles will grab his robe and say, we want to walk with you because we know God is with you. Exactly. This is hard for people to swallow. Well, a Gentile looks at that scripture and says, why do they deserve that? They don't. It's but grace. It's called grace. <laughs> but there's this. Why act, do we deserve it? We don't deserve anything. But you know, they say, why would why would they get that? We got it right. They didn't. And there's this sort of brewing resentment. Mm-hmm. And I honestly believe that's what fuels a lot of this allegorical approach mm-hmm. to the Old Testament. When I began to study Bible prophecy intensely and began to realize that uh, I had grown up in a teaching that really was not biblical. And I began to realize that the Bible teaches Old Testament and New in many, many scriptures that Jesus is coming back to reign in righteousness and and in and, and, and power from Mount Zion in Jerusalem. And the whole world is going to be flooded with peace, righteousness, and justice. The first question that came into my mind was, why? Why in the world would God have a millennium? Why not just have Jesus come back and everything ends and the earth burns up? What, what does he need a millennium for? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons. Um, if you were to, to take the doctrine of the millennium away, there is a ton of themes, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, that never get resolved. 
One of them is God's authority over this earth was challenged by Satan and Adam. And if that's true, and Satan is now the God of this age, there has to be a time in history where God reasserts his authority over the planet, where he rules through a man, the last Adam, just like he intended to rule over the planet through a first Adam. And that that theme never gets resolved. And beyond that, there are many verses we've talked about today that really don't fit today, like Ezekiel's mm-hmm. temple. They don't fit the eternal state either, because there is no right. temple in the eternal mm-hmm. state. So where are you going to put that prophecy? The only place it really fits is during that intermediate 1,000-year time period prior to the destruction. Well, basically of what you're saying is there's a lot of prophecies whose fulfillment depends upon that 1,000-year period. Jesus has promised that one day He is going to receive the honor, glory, and power that He was denied the first time He came. Uh, we have the promise to the nations that they're going to experience peace. Mm-hmm. We have the promise to, the, uh, to nature that everything is going to be reconciled and brought back and redeemed the way it was originally with mm-hmm. the peace in, in nature. Um, we have the promise to the Jews that they're going to be the prime nation of the world. Mm-hmm. We have the promise to us mm-hmm. that we're going to reign mm-hmm. with Jesus Christ over the nations of the world. There's also a great lesson God wants to teach the world once and for all, where evil comes from. Amen. Does, Amen. It, does it come from the environment or does it come from the human heart? I think that's one of the most important reasons for yeah. the millennium. Is, is it, it, The liberal today says, what we need to do is give everybody a guaranteed income, a nice home, a beautiful job, a wonderful car, and everything will be all right. Just redistribute the income. Well, <laughs> the Bible teaches that man is basically evil. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more evil than the human heart. Right. And I often say to people, you know, you can take that guy and you can put him in that nice neighborhood. Maybe in the if he, living in the in the ghetto, he's going to throw a rock through a window and steal a TV set, or he's going to pay uh, fifty dollars for a prostitute. But you move him over in this new environment. What's he going to do? He's going to put on his suit and tie and go right. to work and manipulate the computer and embezzle $2 million, and he's going to chase his neighbor's wife. Guess, guess what you get when you educate a blue-collar thief? Yeah. You get a white-collar thief. You get a white-collar. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. And, and so it, it, God began it all with two people in a perfect environment, and they rebelled. He's going to end it all by putting a whole world in a perfect environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to have a thousand years of perfect peace, righteousness, and justice. Mm -hmm. But think what that's like to live under that in the flesh. And the flesh is wanting some extramarital sex here and wanting some booze here and some drugs here. And and yet there's going to be a justice system that is swift, just like that. Every every judge is going to have the mind of Christ. Uh, It's going to be, there's not going to be any... Any fooling around with this, there's not going to be legislatures. The law is going to be given. Mm-hmm. And people living in the flesh are going to be boiling inside. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, oh, yes, we love you, Jesus, mm-hmm. but. And you can't blame the devil either because the devil is bound during that time. So the Lord's going to show you don't change people by changing the environment. Right. You change them by having the Holy Spirit come into their lives and reshape them in the image exactly. of Jesus. And that's the whole Christian message. And that's how it's going to end, that's the way it, it began. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, one final point here, and that's always thrown at me, is people turn to Second Peter uh, chapter 3, and they look at verse 10, mm-hmm. and they say, 
the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. They say, look, David, the Lord's coming, the earth will be burned up, that's it. There's no mention there of any millennial reign. Well, are we just going to build our whole doctrine of the end times on one verse? On one verse. Um, I think <laughs> it gets back to the point you made. You've got to look at everything to develop a doctrine. Sure. And you get into Revelation 19 through 22, there's an order. Jesus returns, yes. chapter 19. Chapter 20, verses 1 through 10, the thousand-year reign of Christ. Chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, the great white throne judgment. Okay. Then... John no longer saw the present earth, for the former things had passed away. Mm -hmm. That's what I think Peter's talking about. And then what follows is the eternal state. Peter's not giving a commentary on the whole eschatological (laughs) scheme. He's just commentating on one little aspect of it. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it has been a blessing to you, and I hope, the Lord willing, that you'll be back with us next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries, saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Dr. Reagan's video program titled Revelation Revealed contains an in-depth overview of end-time events, including the millennial reign of Jesus. It is a dramatic, visually packed presentation that takes the viewer through the book of Revelation chapter by chapter. And it's full of maps, diagrams, charts, still photos, animations, and video footage. The theme is that the book of Revelation is not difficult to understand. Rather, it is difficult to believe. Therefore, if you will believe it for its plain sense meaning, you will understand it. This video program makes common sense out of a book that most Christians think is indecipherable. The video runs 75 minutes in length and can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. And when you order it, we will supply you with a copy of another video album titled Jack Sings. It contains the song you saw Jack Hollingsworth sing in this program, We Shall See Jesus, plus five others. Some of the other songs included in the album are Leaving on My Mind, Bring Back the Cross, It Is Well With My Soul, and Midnight Cry. The album also contains Jack's most requested song about the rapture, the song called 1159. To place your order, call the number on the screen or go to our website at the address on the screen. And if you call, please do so Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time. Again, the Revelation video album can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including shipping. And we will include a copy of Jack Hollingsworth's video album of six songs. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 